right, I'm going to start. <laughs> In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who are the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praises of his glory. It might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. All right, there's a lot there. I want to talk to you about my wife and I dating. <clears throat> so we <laughs> started dating. started dating in college. And, uh, and uh, this was a big deal. And it was a really big deal because my wife is Indian, and she's South Indian, and so her parents told her all her growing up, you will only ever marry an Indian person, specifically a South Indian person from our specific state. And so when we started dating, it was, it was kind of big, right? And, and by the way, I got that her parents said that. I, I mean, I understood that because white people sort of assert themselves into positions and take away power and culture of other people. Did you know that white people do that sometimes? <laughs> anyway, so I got why they might feel that way, right? I, I totally get it. Uh, but it made us have to be intentional about our dating life. And so uh, very quickly we said, you know what, like we're going to be intentional. And not only that, um, we need to be intentional about whether or not we want to get married. Right? And so we decided, yes, we want to get married. This is a big deal. There's going to be a, a bit of a, a fight ahead of us. And we wanted to honor Juby's parents. We wanted to make sure that they gave us a blessing before we did anything. Like, that's what we wanted to do. And so Juby went away to go to China for a little bit. And, uh, and what I would do when she was gone is I would go to her parents' house and I would knock on the door and they would like receive me and they would talk with me and they would feed me. And then they would tell me never to come back again. <laughs> and it was fantastic. Um, and I love my in-laws. Uh, they're really, really generous, generous people. And so I did that three or four more times. And every time, they were just as generous. Like, really, really um, wonderful people. I can't say enough good things about them. Um, but in doing that, I was trying to say, hey, I'm not going to be the person who, like, asserts my authority and, like, takes away culture and all the rest. Like, and I was trying to, you know, do that and explain that. And so it was hard. It was hard because they still were like, no, we don't want you to be with our daughter. And so there's this one time Juby and I were sitting in a car together, and, um, and Juby said, you know, is our relationship, is us even attempting to get married, is this part of the will of God? And I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know if this is the will of God. And then Juby was like, then why are we even together? She's like, what's the point of us being together if you're not sure if this is the will of God or not? Like, why would we even go through all this pain? I'm fighting with my parents every evening. Why would we do this if this is not in God's plan or God's call or God's will or whatever the case may be? It was a super important moment in our relationship and a moment where we didn't know. Like, were we going to make it? Was this going to happen? And the truth of the matter is, when we think about that, my guess is, and you can raise your hand if you want to, my guess is each of you in this room, if not all of yeah, each of you have a similar story to me about not knowing whether God's, what God's call looked like on your life. Is this true? Yes. Is this true in terms of people for some of us? Is this person the person I'm supposed to be with? Is this person somebody who I should have in my life? Is God's call for me to be with that person? It's probably true with jobs, Right? Anybody jobs? Is this the job I'm supposed to take? Maybe the fact that I can't find a job is part of God's will, right? We start to say things like that. Is that true for some of us in this room? What about for place? How many of you felt like you had to discern God's call when even moving to New York City? There are people that had to do that. For those of us who grew up in New York City, first of all, I love you all. You're amazing. <laughs> Secondly, you know, do we have to discern God's call in order to stay in this place, right? 
So we all work in such a way where we're like, what is God's calling for my life? And am I in God's calling or am I outside of God's calling? You see, God's calling is a scary thing for us. Then there's the big one. The big one is what about when people die, when people get sick or when people are hurt? And sometimes we say things like, well, this was all part of God's plan, right? Or this was God's will. Well, that seems really crappy. Like, why would God want somebody to die or want somebody to get hurt or whatever? Is that part of God's calling, part of God's plan? I talk about our calling as a church all the time, which is to somebody tell me. It is, right? And, and yet at the same time, uh, when things are difficult or when there are challenges or whatever the case may be, I'm like, is that our calling? Is this the thing we should be doing? Um, am, am I doing this right? Do, God, do you want me doing something else? We have those questions surrounding calling, will, God's plan all of the time. And so I don't think Juby and I were in any kind of unique space when we wondered whether or not we should be together, whether God wanted us to be together. Now, this is the last week of our transformation series. And I've been talking about what it means to be transformed in Christ. And I've said transform it, being transformed in Christ is to live out the fullness of our humanity as God intended, right? That's what it means to be transformed. There's a maturity that comes from living out the fullness of our humanity as God intended. So I say God called us, uh, I, I redefined sin. I said sin is any time we take away the fullness of humanity from somebody else, right? And then we talked about anger, and we talked about how to redefine that and be transformed. And forgiveness, and how to redefine that and be transformed. And last week, y'all, I talked about rest. Remember that? I said, rest transforms us. It gives us the fullness of humanity. And then I went home and took a nap. <laughs> but this week, I want to say this. This week, I want to say that I think we can be transformed when we get a better understanding of what God's calling looks like in our lives. I think there's maturity. I think we live out the fullness of humanity. And in order to do that, I want to talk about the passage that we're looking at today from Ephesians. And it says, in him, we were also chosen to have, uh, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of God's will. So there's something connected to the purpose of God's will and being predestined to live out the purpose of God's will. How many people grew up in a faith, uh, a faith expression or a denomination that talked about being predestined or predestination? Did anybody in this room? A few of us. Wow, first service, it was everybody. This service, not so much. All right, I'm going to explain it to you then. Uh, there's a sense for some of us who grew up in, in, in Christianity, uh, there's a sense uh, that, that being predestined means that God has one specific idea for what you're going to do in your life. And in fact, there's scripture that say, like, even before you were uh, born, like, I was forming you in the womb, I was planning out your life. And, and so what we do is we see to be predestined means that God has this plan. Okay, that's what we do with it. And then there's all these other uh, uh, theological issues that happen with this plan. So some people, if you grew up in the Presbyterian church, some of you have is limited atonement. Some people are predestined to go to heaven. Other people are predestined to go to hell. That's pleasant, right? Like no matter what you do, you're just going to go to hell because I don't know. Um, but regardless, like so we start to ask those questions. We start to say like, okay. And then the big one and the one that I went through all the time when I'm taking all my Bible classes is, well, if we are predestined, does that give us free will? Do we have free will? That's not even something we're going to touch on today. It's just, I just wanted to put you in crisis when you're laying in bed trying to go to sleep tonight. All right? Think about that then. And so the idea of being predestined has sort of undergone all these different manifestations. Now, why has it done that? Um, because we're human beings and we're rational. Okay? 
And when we see something like predestined, we don't want to think of God as infinite and unimaginable. We don't like that. We want to think of God as binary. Okay? We want to think of God as being an either-or God. And so to be predestined means I'm either in or I'm out. I've been predestined to be in this will or I'm not. Right? We like that. We like that sense of separation. Okay, that works in our lives. So think about other parts of our lives. We love that, uh, you know, there's no gray area. We're either Democrat or Republican. we either saved or we are not saved. God is either for these people or God is against these people. Um, God is either for this denomination or against this denomination. And I love how God is always for the denomination we're a part of. Am I right? <laughs> always. And so this is the kind of thing we do. Uh, God, is, God is for this. God is against that. And I am predestined to be part of the thing that God is for, but it's always binary. And then the really, really big one is because God is binary and it's either this or that, there is one plan, one will, one call for my life, and I'm either in that will, in that plan, in that call, or I'm outside of it. Right? And so we do sermons all the time, or people have given us sermons all the time, at least me and my growing up, where it was like, do you know if you're in God's will or not? Are you spending time with God to find out, or are you outside of God's will? And there's crisis in that. There's crisis in the sense that, like, oh, am I in this one thing that God has for me? Am I doing the right thing? Am I going to marry the right person? Am I going to be with, you know, whatever the case may be. There's a crisis in that binary thought. Y'all with me? So, what do we do with that? We look at the context and culture of Scripture, right? And when we look at the context and culture of Scripture, what do we find? We find that the idea of predestination that we know today, it came about 650 years ago from a guy named Augustine. Y'all know Augustine? Yeah. I got an Augustine quote tattooed on my arm, but his idea of predestination was completely wrong. <laughs> but what were they doing in the first century? Let's talk about what they were doing in the first century. In the first century, you have this group of Ephesians. Now, I need you to, to remember. I need you to put yourself in this place. Remember that if you were a Jesus follower in the first century, you were a heretic. Remember that, okay? When you, if you follow Jesus, you went against the Bible. People were saying, you're not following the scriptures, right? That's what they would say to you. They'd, they'd say to you, you're going down a slippery slope. They would say that. Anybody here ever hear that before? Is that familiar to any of us in this room? Right? They would say that, that this isn't what God's will is for you. God does not want you to follow Jesus. You have it wrong. And so you have a group of people who are incredibly courageous. Right? A group of people who are incredible. They're like, okay, I'm going to follow anyway, even though it goes against legitimately thousands of years of tradition and culture and religion. Even though it does it, I'm still going to follow Jesus. That's what these people are doing. Now, for thousands of years of tradition and culture, uh, people who are, and I'm talking about people who are, are Jewish, who are followers of Judaism, for thousands of years, they were told that they were favored by God. Okay? So being favored by God, what, what did that mean? It meant that you were chosen. And what did it mean that you were chosen for? It didn't mean you were chosen for heaven. It meant that you were chosen to do God's work in the world. And that God was going to see all good things, all peace come through you. And so now there's a crisis. And you've got to feel the crisis of these people. And my guess is there are a lot of us in this room today who have felt that crisis before too. The crisis of, oh my gosh, I've now changed everything. I no longer fit in with my family the way I used to. I don't fit in with my old religious tradition the way I used to. I don't fit in, and now I'm in crisis. Am I still loved by God? And these Ephesians are going, am I still chosen by God? It's this crisis. One of the saddest things that I deal with 
are people who identify as LGBTQIA coming, coming to our church and saying, am I safe here? Am I okay here? Does God love me here? And every time, I, it, it breaks my heart. Of course. Of course. And I hear these Ephesians saying the same thing. And so the writer of Ephesians says this. The writer of Ephesians goes, yeah, you're absolutely absolutely still one of God's called, one of God's favor. You were predestined to be that. Let's read it. This is what it says. It says, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Okay? And then there's a lot of other things that tell people that they're included. And then at the end, at the end, again, it says, all of this stuff happens to the praise of of his glory. First things first, is our God a binary God? No. No. Predestination does not mean that some of us are in or some of us is out. What this writer is saying is he's saying, you are all predestined, meaning not some of you, every single one of you. Every single one of you are predestined. And I, I hear some of us going, including me, including you. Absolutely. There's no one who is not predestined to live out the call of God. Once we say that, oh my gosh, Jesus is Jesus, there's no one that's not predestined to do that. We all are. Then the second thing is, what's the call? They talk about the call twice. They say, what are you predestined to do? What is every single one of us predestined to do? Every single one of us has one call and one call only. And that is to bring praise to God. That's it. There's a couple other ways to say it. Sometimes y'all hear me say, our job is to bring peace to God's kingdom. You ever hear me say that? If you've been coming for a while. Uh, I like the way that Frederick Buechner says it. Frederick Buechner says it this way. Your calling is where your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger. That's a nice way of saying it as well. And I love that because our gladness, right, meeting a place of need, is giving praise to God, right? It brings peace to the kingdom, right? And so what this writer is saying, he's saying, don't freak out, everybody. You are not on the outside. You are not by the, we don't live with a binary God. We live with a God who says that every single one of us are children of God. And because of that, you have one calling and one calling only, and that is to bring praise, to bring peace to this kingdom, to bring gladness to places that need it. That is your calling. That is it. Oh, we can't stand that. We can't stand it. Why can't we stand it? We like binary better. Our, our minds like binary better. I remember one time I was hanging out with a group of pastors and I said to them, I said, isn't it amazing that God is absolutely in everything and everywhere and in everybody, like every atom, like down to every location. And they were like, that sounds a little new agey to me. And I was like, shut up. You don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Because you, because you know what? Because when we think about calling that way, that, that, that feels too big. God's, what, what do you mean? You see, I would rather be able to say that God alienates these people because I actually want to alienate these people too. And it's easier for me to do that if God's doing it as well, right? Or I want to alienate this location so long as God's, you know, I want to think that God alienates that location too, that God can't be there. And God's saying, for some of y'all, I'm sorry, but the truth is, is I'm far far more gracious, far more loving, far more inclusive than you could even imagine. In fact, you're all of my children, and you all have one calling. Bring peace. Bring praise. Bring gladness. That's it. So Juby and I are dating. We meet with this pastor. The pastor says to us, we say to the pastor, hey, we want to get married. We're waiting for, for, for a blessing. Um, but we don't know if it's God's will or not. <clears throat> and the pastor said, uh, well, do you both have a passion to like bring good news to this place? And we were both like, yeah. And the pastor goes, 
does your passion, uh, is it hindered by your relationship or is it helped by your relationship? We're like, it's helped. He goes, good, get married tomorrow. <laughs> and what do we discover? Was there one person for us? Was, was I the one person for Juby? Was Juby the one person for me? No. There were thousands of people for each of us. Legitimately. God, God doesn't say, well, it's just this one person. You better find them or else. No. Literally thousands. The question is, when we think about the person that we're with, are we answering the calling, the calling to bring praise to God with that person? Are we answering the calling to, to bring peace to God with that person, or peace to God's kingdom with that person? Are we answering the call together to bring gladness? That is the bigger question. And so you can do that. Is, is New York City your calling? No. You can, live in, you can live in Reykjavik tomorrow if y'all wanted to. Okay, so long as you're bringing peace, as you're bringing, as you're bringing gladness, as you're bringing that to God's kingdom, go do that in that place. No longer do we need to be like, well, I have, uh, you know, analysis paralysis. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm in God's will. God's will is simple. Bring peace. Bring praise. Bring gladness. And if you're doing that, you can do that absolutely anywhere. With anybody. In any job. And you might be sitting there going... I don't have a job. <laughs> oh, I feel you. In this liminal time, in this anxious space, our calling is to bring peace while we wait. And you might be saying, well, my job is, like, I don't know, I'm an SEO analyst, right? Great. That's wonderful. I'm glad you are. And you might be saying, well, I'm not doing anything meaningful. That is meaningful. It's meaningful so long as you're bringing peace, so long as you're bringing gladness, so long as you're bringing joy to that place, right? In whatever way, whatever form it takes. We don't have to like travel to the other end of the world and like sell all of our stuff to make that happen. We can do it right here, right now. What's God's call? What's God's will? Is it one thing? No. And here's the last thing I want to say. If God's calling on our lives is to say that we are, first of all, chosen and loved, and then secondly, it's to bring that peace, it's to bring that praise, to bring that gladness, then part of God's call is not to see people broken or involved in tragedy or to die. So when somebody dies, to say, well, that's part of God's plan. No, it's not. How do we know that? Because Jesus shows up and shows us that it's not part of God's plan through resurrection. Now, can God make something new of death and brokenness and tragedy? Absolutely. But it's not a part of God's plan when it happens. Can we stop saying that to each other? Okay. This church, 500 years. Yeah, it's absolutely a calling we should live out. Is it our only calling? No. Us at this church, we have a thousand other callings, but this is the one that we get to pick right now, right here at this time, because I believe more than anything in the world that it brings peace, that it brings gladness, that it brings hope where there is none before. So Juby and I got married, and that was a good thing. We have a couple kids, and for the past 16 years, I'd like to think that we have lived out the calling to simply bring peace wherever we can bring it, and we failed miserably. I failed miserably. She hasn't, <laughs> but I'm thankful for her parents, and I'm thankful for the fact that they saw me, and they said, okay, he's someone who's going to bring joy, peace, and gladness, too. What's God's calling on our life? It could be a thousand different things. But the one thing we know is that there is, that we're children of God who can bring those things. So whatever way we're going to do it, let's just go ahead and say yes to it. 
Can you close your eyes? I want you to hear this good news. Hear the good news first that God is not binary. That God is in this place. Even though people say it might feel new agey, God is in this place. God is in your life. God is in your presence. And God does have a calling for you. And that calling is to simply for you to use your gifts wherever they bring deep peace and deep gladness and deep praise. And the good news is that when you grasp that you are a part of, the good, of that good news and nothing takes it away from you, you're predestined to it, that's when we can truly be transformed in Christ. Amen.